Welcome to the Invisible India podcast. I'm Jessica Kumar. In 2006, I first came to India for work and basically never looked back. My journey took me through learning Hindi, living in multiple parts of India, and The Invisible India podcast isn't just a place where I share about being married to an Indian, being a foreigner in India, the language learning process, and cross-cultural parenting. But it is a platform to highlight the lesser-known aspects of Indian culture by featuring stereotype-breaking Indians making waves in society. So chaliye, headphone lagake suniye hamare saath. Sabko namaste, main Jessica hoon. Welcome to the Invisible India podcast, part one of tips of moving to India, being a foreigner in India. How do you become self-reliant and have a great life in India as a foreigner? Those of you who know, I've lived in India on and off for 16 years and have had a bunch of experiences. I've had lots of different experiences living in three different states, and I wanted to share some of these insights with you. Like I said, this is a two-part episode. Part one features the practicalities of daily life. And part two includes relational tips that you need to know and how to deal with people. Thank you all so much for your positive comments and support. I am back in India after a long stretch of months in the U.S., we are here. We made it. All of our stuff made it. I'm actually really surprised how relatively smooth it went. It was a very challenging journey. We had just a lot of luggage bringing back. We had our two small kids, of course. It's a tough journey. There are a lot of things that could go wrong. The week before we were traveling, there was like a crisis of um, airline crisis, canceling flights and all this. We were a little nervous. Ours was going to get messed up. Just, you know, moving. It, it For us, it wasn't just a trip to the U.S. It was like a move. It, we got very kind of embedded. And now we have to re-embed ourselves back in India. So we do. We had to find a new apartment. We had to just – it's very challenging to, to <laughs> make all these huge moves. So um, – it's, it's been very exhausting, but I'm really happy to be able to get this episode out on time. And um, I was just thinking through a lot of the things of that I have to rethink about getting back to India and things that I'm telling myself, telling my kids about living here. And I thought I would make it a two-part episode. Before we get into that, I want to share, I'm so excited, the Overcoming Hindi Pronunciation Pitfalls course is in editing right now. It should be coming out in September. I can't wait to release it to you. The course will be available starting most likely in September, and that will be at learnhindianywhere.com. I'm really excited about this course. This is uh, a lot more in-depth than Hindi Hacks. It was a beginner course, and this is really the next step for what I think is the most important thing about learning Hindi is the pronunciation. It's not your vocabulary. It's not your grammar. I personally believe it's a pronunciation. So that's why I'm releasing this as my second course. For those of you who have been listening for a while, you know that I like to offer a discount on my courses to people who subscribe to my newsletter. So please go ahead and go on my site, subscribe to my newsletter, and there will be discounts coming via email if you sign up. Remember to share and tell your friends about the ultimate Hindi 
Learning Resource Guide. It's a free guide on my website. It's 21 pages of the best Hindi learning resources you can find. It has contact information of vetted Hindi teachers. It has ratings of the best courses which I've found online. And it also has other resources and my personal information of how I think it's best to learn Hindi for different learning styles. Again, it's on my site, invisibleindiapodcast.com. If you scroll down to the bottom, it's there. It's also in my Instagram profile is the main link. So you can just click there and go directly to the download. So let's hop into part one of being a foreigner in India, how to live your life self-sufficiently and have a wonderful life here. Number one. Always negotiate in markets. A lot of times, even if you're buying things like fruits and vegetables or if it's any open air market, you can totally negotiate. It depends on the kind of situation like fruits and vegetables. I don't usually negotiate on fruits and vegetables as much um, because there's not as there's not as much of a margin in that and some people don't at all but as a foreigner you know a lot of times you're getting a very inflated price listed to you so you can knock it down 25% that's a that's a a big win unless you are in an actual branded store grocery store or mall or restaurant I would say most things are negotiable. One thing that's highly negotiable is if you're an open air market and you're buying handicrafts, if you're buying clothes, sometimes you can even get it down to like as much as almost 50% less than what they're asking. Um, that's in, you know, that takes a lot of skill, but it can be done. It depends on how much they're inflating the price. But yes, negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. Number two, learn basic numbers and phrases in the local language. This will help you in shopping, understanding what's available around you and how things work. Now, how to learn the language. About one third of my episodes are on learning Hindi and my personal tips of how to become fluent in Hindi. But I also have outside resources as well. You can download, like I said in earlier, the free Ultimate Hindi Learner's Guide, which recommends Hindi teachers, classes, and resources, which I've all per- personally vetted. It's on invisibleindiapodcast.com or see the show notes for the link. I do also have a Hindi Hacks course, which is for beginners getting into Hindi. You can go directly there at learnhindianywhere.com. And of course, as you may know, there are many different languages in India. It's not necessarily just Hindi everywhere you go. There's Punjabi, there's Gujarati, there's Bangla, Bengali, there's um, so many. I mean, really every state almost has a different language. Oriya, there's uh, the South Indian languages, Tamil, Malayalam, uh, Kannada, Telugu. There, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, know what language group you're going to be living amongst and where the best resources are there. Of course, you know, I kind of have um, knowledge about Hindi learning, but I also have other recommendations for various other languages. You can go on my website as well for those resources on my offers page. India is a land of so much linguistic diversity. Most Indians actually know um, multiple languages as a first, second, third language. It's just a normal thing for people to speak multiple languages. So great idea to learn at least the basic numbers, phrases, ways that you can negotiate, things you can ask how much they are etc etc tip number three learn how to use public transit a lot of cities have a metro a metro that you can ride smaller cities uh auto rickshaw or vikram or even in some smaller places like where i was living in bihar 
a cycle rickshaw is really common. And even for kidding things around, a lot of times you don't hire a truck, you hire a, what's a tela, which is like a flat cart, which people will cycle around the town. So there is a lot of different ways to get around. Of course, train is available, learning how to book the train. That's a whole system in and of itself. Ola and Uber are you know newer developments in the last couple of years. and But the thing is about Ola and Uber is you still have to know how to give directions. Even if you put your location in on the map, they will still call you and confirm your location. And then you will also have to oftentimes explain to them how to get to where you are. Even if you don't live there, you're not from that city, they won't just come to your location. You still have to learn how to give directions to people. Uh, people also don't use northeast, south west as much in these kind of giving direction capacity it's just not used so you have to learn how to like explain things based on landmarks so one street ahead or you know past the two streets down from the Bikanirwala or you know I'm across the street from the Shadi Bhavan or whatever you know that's how people talk so you have to learn how to give instructions uh, like hey, I'm ahead of this I'm across from this I'm behind this I see this sign I'm near that and big landmarks and things like that I would say if you are going to be in India for more than one year I would learn to drive either a scooter or a vehicle it really help you a lot in order to get around and be able to live life and on your own terms and get places you need to go number four learning to cook a few things this will really help you a lot it's a great way to build relationships with people and get to know others um, cooking a few things, inviting someone over, kind of nailing down a few really great recipes. I would not necessarily follow online recipes and just try to figure it out yourself. I would really get together with someone, whether it's someone's mom or grandma or auntie, them themselves might be a great cook. Ask the aunties questions so you can learn more about their process. And you also need to see how they do it. Like there's so many steps in Indian cooking, you just have to soak it in. <laughs> You could always even hire somebody as a helper to come to your house and cook uh, for you. And you can also watch them and learn from him or her. I always used to like to make this a good language learning opportunity to sit and ask questions about what they were doing, how they were doing it, have them explain it to me so you can get some good vocabulary there. And also, it's just a lot healthier to eat at home. You know, there's less um, chance of you getting sick. There's less chance of... Um, you know, just there's a lot of less chance of a lot of things happening when you are eating at home, having more control of your diet. Number five, if you ask most Indians, many people in their family will have suffered from malaria, chikungunya, dengue or dengue, as it's also called here. Mosquito protection is very, very important. Use a mosquito net. Learn how to use a mosquito net. There's a certain way that you have to like tuck it under your bedsheet to protect yourself. Use a fan over your head so that it blows the mosquitoes. They're not able to land on you. Use what's called all out. It's this little, what they call medicine. It's not medicine. It's just like this little liquid that you plug into an outlet and then that fumigates the room. It's not super effective, I don't think, but like I would just try everything. Last case scenario, of course, you could use bug spray and just spray, spray yourself. Uh, it's really, really important to protect yourself from mosquitoes. You can become very, very sick. And it's I, honestly, mosquitoes and water are the most dangerous things in this country. People talk about car accidents. People talk about wild animals. These are all the sensational things, right? 
the most dangerous things in this country are mosquito-borne illnesses and secondly, waterborne sicknesses. Those two things are really important to protect yourself. Which brings me to my next point. Get a water filter or drink bottled water. I hate wasting plastic, so I prefer to have my own water bottle and just use a water filter. It's called an RO filter or reverse osmosis filter. Make sure that wherever you go that you are drinking RO water. In Hindi, it's RO walapani. You can say pani is water. Make sure and ask for that wherever you are. If you're really trying to be super, super careful and you're there for a short time, just I would drink bottled water the whole time so that even a glass that's rinsed out with tap water, uh, there's no you know, microbes or bacteria in that glass from the water that it's literally you're drinking from the plastic bottle to your mouth. That's the best way to prevent getting sick. Number seven, be a change hoarder. <laughs> a lot of times when you go to the ATM, they will give you 500 rupee notes. Um, after demonetization happened in 2016, 1,000 rupee notes were um, no longer valid. And so we don't have 1,000 rupees. Um, I haven't seen 2,000 rupee notes for a long time. I guess they might be out of circulation. But nobody was using them. It was really, really hard to break change for those. Um, most people use much smaller denominations. You have to kind of hoard your change, like 10 rupees, 20 rupees, 5 rupees, 50 rupees, 100 rupees, and 200 rupees. You really need to have quite a few of those. So if you're going somewhere and, and you're paying, uh, you're at a restaurant or you're at even a fruit or a vegetable seller, they a lot of times or at a store, they have typically have large amounts of change. So try to use, I always try to use my big change at those stores. I always, always, always try to use my 500s to break them down to get more change because if you're in a taxi or an Ola or an Uber and you need to pay in cash, you need to have exact change. A lot of times these guys don't have change and then you're stuck without you know having to overpay them because you don't have change. So be a change hoarder. Number eight and this is my final point. Be sure to check whenever you're laying down in bed or any time that you're putting clothes on that have been sitting in your closet or your almadi or a drawer, give them a little shake before you put them on. Shake out your towels that are hanging up on the wall, just, just for good measure. This is a very big preventative measure to make sure there are not creepy crawlies in your clothes, on your towel, or in your bed sheets. This is probably not gonna be at a hotel. This is more when you're staying in people's homes or in um, smaller facilities, or if you're kind of out in, the, in a more rural area or in a place where there's more wildlife. There are going to be cockroaches, even in urban areas. There are going to be spiders. There are going to be centipedes. There are going to be scorpions. Everywhere in India, there are going to be house lizards, little geckos. We call them chipkali in Hindi, chipkali. Do yourself a favor and just shake these things out before you put them on, before you use your towel, before you wear your clothes, before you lay in bed, every single time. Red ants also love to somehow like get into your clothes or there have been several times when I got out of the shower and wrapped myself in a towel and then all of a sudden felt like my shoulders were burning. Well, it's because red ants had crawled up onto my towel and had, I don't know what they were doing, just eating my dead skin off there. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, then started biting me all over my body. 
If you want to hear more traumatic stories about Jessica and insects and um, arachnids in India, listen to episode number 50, where it's my top five most raw experiences in India. Those are some very intense stories. Be prepared. Even last week, I had a scorpion encounter, and now I am teaching my children these methods. Shake out your towels, shake out your clothes, check your bed sheets, and also probably not a bad idea to check your shoes before you put them on. You never know what is going to be inside. All right, so that wraps it up. I do have more on these topics Episode 18, Surviving the Most Common Inconveniences of Living in India. It sounds like I was just complaining the whole time. However, I think these are things that actually make you smarter. And if you love this place and want to live here and want to do well in India, these are the things you have to know, even if you're visiting. But just even a short visit, knowing these things can really, really help you. Episode 18, episode 50. Of course, this one is part one. This is all the practical things. Part two is going to be all about people, relationships, how to navigate the differences of Indian culture. Be sure to also check out the video version of this episode, which is on YouTube. Thank you for listening. I'm very grateful for you all. Namaste.